you know, you might see a lot of these people who just do the horror stuff, but then there's other people who the horror or, or the, the darkness of, in their artwork or whatever, you know, their sculpture or their music, it, it's, it's coming from a different place. So it's a different representation of that. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be, oh, look, this thing's got its eyeballs hanging out and it's got you mm-hmm. know, worms crawling out of the hole. It doesn't have to be that to be horror. You can yeah. do something, you know, it can just it'd be a feeling just by looking at something, you know, look at an emaciated person painted. It's like you can have a feeling of horror from that because you don't want to feel that way. So it can, you can get some sort of emotion from it. Welcome to Season 4 of the Drawing from Experience podcast, your source of relatable advice for the everyday artist. I want you to pick up your pencils, pick up your paintbrush, pick up your instrument, or whatever it is that you do, because let's face it, this world is so much better with your art in it. I'm here to remind you that you are one of a kind and the only one who does what you do, and I want you to discover what it is that makes you shine. My name is Shane Isakowski, and I want to help build a creative future we all deserve. Howdy, humans. This is episode number 123 of the Drawing From Experience podcast. I am your host, Shane Isakowski. Hello. What are you guys doing? I know it's been forever since I've put out an episode. I apologize, but I'm in the middle of uh, Halloween craziness for those of us in the dark art or horror realm um we're all probably in it right now so uh my heart goes out to you if you are just trying to enjoy a pumpkin spice latte but things have been pretty nuts for me right now um and in a second i am going to talk about all the shows um very briefly that i have going on and hopefully you guys can see some of my artwork in person Uh, but before we get into that i am just going to say that Today's episode is an interview with Chris Bolton, an Australian artist, um, a.k.a. Savage Zombie Art. Chris is an incredible illustrator and artist. He mostly does zombies, which is right up my alley, and he is in the comic industry, and uh, just a really cool dude, so um, I can't wait for you guys to listen to that. So really briefly, I'm going to just read off this crazy list of shows I have going on right now. Um, I have one piece at a place in Danville, Pennsylvania. Uh, The piece is The Taste of My Tears and is at a new studio and gallery called The Art Grind. And they are open Thursday through Saturdays, 5 to 8 p.m. So go check them out if you're in Pennsylvania. Uh, my old stomping grounds. The next show I have going on is Arcana 2021, and that one just opened, and it's hosted online, but normally it's hosted out of Munich. And uh, this is the second tarot card show that I've done with these guys. Um, this is curated by my friend and fellow artist Hazel Ang, um, who is an incredible artist too. So uh, you can see the show online right now at arcana, A-R-C-A-N-A-M-U-C dot art. And the piece that I have um, about to put on my social media it is called The Fool. It is The Fool card, so check it out when you get a chance. The next show that I have going on, which is opening this upcoming weekend, is the Dawn of the Dark Art Society show with something like 80 artists um, that are all members of the Dark Art Society. And this is hosted at Skull and Snake Tattoo Studio and Art Gallery in North Berwick, Maine, with the opening reception this weekend, October 22nd, from 5 to 10 p.m. Go check it out if you're in Maine. And I think the last, no, I have two here. Um, sorry. Um, the Totally Bitchin' Night of the Dead art show at Exhibit A Gallery. Uh, on Fairfax Ave in LA is a show that, if you guys remember me releasing um, a series called Darkness Eternal, The House of O, that entire series will be on exhibit during this show. And I just want to go meet with these guys today and I'm super stoked about it. They are super cool and I really love the gallery. So go check that out. There is an opening reception on October 30th 
that you can RSVP for on their website, exhibitagallery.com slash bitchin'. And it goes from, I believe, 7 p.m. to 12. So that is Halloween weekend on Saturday. So go check it out. I'm going to be there at least for a bit uh, to say hello to some people. So come on out. And the last show that I have going on, which is hanging right now, is at a cafe called T-Pop in North Hollywood. I have 13 paintings hanging there right now. And you can go see them during their open hours. Um, so please go check it out. And if you want to meet up with me there, let me know. I will meet up with you. It's like 10 minutes away from my studio. So there you have it, folks. I have art all the way from Maine to Pennsylvania to technically here, but a, a show hosted in Germany and uh, some shows in L.A. So uh, tis the season, all you Halloween lovers out there. Okay, I'm just going to get right into my interview with Chris Bolton. I hope you guys enjoy some of the projects and things he has coming up and some of his insight on design and the dark art world. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Chris Bolton. On today's episode of the podcast, I have a very special guest. He is my second Australian artist, not the first. The first was Ashley Dark, of course, um, who is a mutual friend of ours. But Chris Bolton is an amazing artist and illustrator. He has what he calls Savage Zombie Art, which is where you can find him on all the social medias and such. Chris, welcome to the Drawing From Experience podcast. Thank you, Shane. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for joining me. And I know that there is a pretty crazy time difference. It, it's already tomorrow for you. Um, but yeah, I'm in the future. You and it's the night. Yeah, it's the night. Yeah, it's me, like midday so. here. Right. You know, coincidentally, man, this is crazy that this happens. But uh, so you were interviewed on the Dark Art Society podcast, episode number 123. Yes. Do you know what episode number this is? 122, 21. This will be 123. What? Okay. Uh, you so that's weird. Can you believe that's that? Some, some <laughs> yeah. uh, crazy synchronicities right there. We've done it again. Only about it. So Pretty good for the second Australian interviewer, interviewee. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's actually, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put that on a T-shirt. One, two, three. I, one, I two, think three. you should play the lottery or something. I don't know. One, two, three. Yeah. It means, I feel like it means something. Anyway, uh, I thought that was kind of neat when I realized. Well, my that. partner's favorite number mm. is three. So one and two equals three. And then three, <laughs> uh, they're all divisible by three. So that's kind of weird. Right. So she's got, a, she's got a thing about the, the number three as well. That seems to be her number of choice. So Right. I've, I've spoken to Chet about numerology and things and, an interesting thing happened with him and I where, okay, so the second time I was on his podcast was a crossover episode. The number of that was 193. And then the original one where he interviewed me on his podcast the first time was number 93. So super weird stuff. I don't know how this stuff happens. But yeah, it's that synchronicity situation. So I think that's I love awesome. it. That's excellent. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to, first of all, again, send people over to the Dark Art Society podcast and listen to that episode because it's a pretty thorough background history on you and where you started. Um, so I'm not going to, I don't want to bore people by having them, having us repeat the same conversation. However, there are some things about your history that I think add so much context as to who you are today. Yes. One of which is your father's profession. Yes, he's a veterinarian. Is, he's a veterinarian. Yes. Well, he's senior lecturer and doctor at Murdoch University, uh, and he pretty much teaches most of the kids that come out and are vets in WA. And, yeah, he's been in academe since, yeah, since I was born pretty much. So uh, growing up around the equine industry with him was uh, a, an experience watching post-mortems as a young child of, of cows and right. sheep. And, and I never really had a problem with it. That was the thing that kind of 
I think when you're little, people kind of like, oh, that's good. He can just watch this. But it was a sort of underlying morbid fascination that I had with it. It's like, well, this this is dead. This is not moving. This is dead viscera. This is interesting to me. This is watching people pull out the insides and cut it up. It's like, wow, that's really quite interesting what's going on here. And being, you know, a little kid and hanging around on the campus on Murdoch, they have they had like a little room which had emu skeletons and conjoined kittens in jars and half Amazing. horse heads. And it's like, you know, like any of this stuff, like you, you tell someone and they're like, how horrifying for a small child. But I never saw it at that. It was more, you know, this is what my dad does. He helps animals. And the way you learn about helping animals is you learn how they're made to get, you know, they're put together. And that kind of tied into, yeah, the art thing was because I get fascinated with that. You know, I get a little bit more motivated when it's like, oh, I need to work out, you know, if it's concept design for whatever it is, if it's a, a film or a comic book or an animation or something, working out the physiology of something. And I thank him with that. And my mum was a nurse. So he had kind of the human biology aspect mm. to it as well. You know, dinner conversations were always uh, <laughs> interesting and, and uh, varied. You know, you'd be talking about something that your dad had done at work and that you know, revolved around, uh, uh, you know, medicine for animals, doing something hideous with an animal. <laughs> or talking about doing an endoscope on a horse or something like that. It was like, oh, okay. And there would be videos of this around the house. So we're little kids watching right. and trying to – trying to find the latest episode of a TV show, but putting in this video and finding the, the tube endoscope of a horse's gullet and going, oh, what is this? Like, this is not, but I would oh watch them. Gosh. I'd be like, this is interesting to me. This is crazy interesting. So, yeah, wow. it kind of, that formulated a little bit more of what my, people call it a morbid fascination, but I don't see the morbidity in it because it is more of like you're getting to the raw, raw essence of what something is, you know, genetics why things grow the way they do and if you're going to learn anatomy you're going to do artwork with any sort of anatomy and you want to do something that's a little bit more uh, uh literal when people look at it you know you've got to learn that stuff that's your groundwork and yeah. it, i don't know you, and once i think once you know, know that stuff then you can manipulate it you can change it you can augment that stuff and that helps no end with concept design and nature is the best designer. And then you right. can look at that stuff and you can take aspects of it and go, what if this was like this? Or what if this was made of flesh, not you know, bone or whatever it is? So it helped. It helped to have that kind of ground grassroots experience with him. And, you know, I love animals. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't be a vet, though, because I think I love them too much. Mm. Um. I, I could never be that person that would be able to put an animal down and have to turn to the, the owners and be like, yeah, you know, that, that your animal's gone. I could never do that. Yeah. So, I mean, there is that sort of, uh, I guess, you know, the, the nicer side of me is that I don't mind looking at the stuff, but if I had to get in there and actually do it, there would be a sort of, there would be a sort of reversion away from it. I'd be like, oh, I don't really want an aversion away from it. Sorry. You, you just, right. yeah, I, I couldn't actually do it. Couldn't I, I think cut into it point, even I don't think. Right. The the point that um you're making about the morbid fascination thing, about it's not technically it's not morbid, right? It's it's morbid because society tells us if we like anything related to death, it's morbid, right? But yeah. um yeah, but I, I find it really interesting that you know it's like us as dark artists that we're naturally drawn to that, you know, and that, that some of those things do not bother us the way that they, that other people are bothered by that, you know? And I think um, that's also, that's yeah. an artistic thing as well. I mean, most artists that mm -hmm. I know, they look at things a little bit differently from Joe average on the street when, you know, yeah. we're walking, an artist walks down the street, they see a street, street pole or, or, or a lamp or something. They're like, I'm going to get the color of that, the texture, the way the light hits it, everyone else, that's a, lamp you know they don't see it in right. those ways it's, and it's it's more of like a sensory perception thing as well where it's like 
you're a sponge. You, you walk around and you try and absorb as much information you can about how things work. And that'll inform your creative side even more so. I mean, it's, uh, you know, musicians go out and listen to nature. They'll record nature. They'll sample it. They'll put it into their music. I mean, we're doing the same thing. You know, our eyes and uh, our touch, when we can feel something, it's like, oh, that's the texture of that. I've got to try and mm. somehow replicate that in, 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 in a form that, can be picked up and carried around by someone else and they can look at it and go, oh, wow, this dude really gets it. I mean, I, again, as a, as a kid, I loved those, uh, the, the uh, National Geographic when they do like painted covers of a, of a bird or yeah. a, some sort of marsupial or something on the cover. You'd be like, wow, someone's really looked at this animal and its habitat and drawn all the little leaves and all the little hairs and all the little details so perfectly. And, I, yeah, I don't know how... Uh, anyone wouldn't want to do that, kind of being able to just see nature and then do something with it, take it and go, okay, well, I can replicate that lighting, that colour, and I can put that on paper or I can put that on digital or I can sculpt it digitally or something. I don't know how you wouldn't want to do that. That's, that to me is just something that I would, I would think that everyone would want to do. Then you get, you know, you'll have people obviously, I can't draw a straight line, I can't do a stick figure. Why you'd want to draw a stick figure, I don't know. But it's all about applying that knowledge. And that's the hard part for a lot of people is you can look at this stuff and aesthetically enjoy it, but it's that taking the step to, okay, well, now I want to make it for myself. I want to take what my brain sees and see if my hand can replicate that. Yeah. And I guess it's it's not for everyone. We need people to look at art too. We need people to buy art. We need people to appreciate art. Yeah, yeah, and sure. and that's good. I mean, I you know you love those people because they do get it. They do understand what you're doing, and they get that part of it as well. Especially as you were saying, going back to before, like how the dark artist people get that fascination with stuff that is considered taboo, or the macabre, or or you do, or you know, I assume most people would think dark artists all sit around in dark clothes and stra straggly hair, and they all look like they haven't slept in months and you know, mm. they've probably got substance abuse problems or something. And it's like, sure, they might do, but most of the people I've met are nicest people, <laughs> the most right. openly I uh, totally uh, agree. communicative and, and people that just, they, they love what you do and they want to comment on it. And it's, it's nice. It's, it's a nice thing. It's, um, it, it is like kind of a, a homecoming for most of these people as well because they go to the, the podcast and they hear someone talk about, you know, chat, they talk about things that they can relate to, but then they find uh, like a, a common interest in what they enjoy as well, which is the art, you know, that whether yeah. or not it's tattoos or album covers, whatever got them into that, whatever the gateway was into that, now it is the laser is more focused on uh, there is a movement. There is something I can call this. It's not underground or it's not lowbrow. It's, it's actually got more of a, a banner that people can exist under. I think that's just going to continue to get better and better. The more these people come into it, the more this community supports each other. It's going to be crazy, dude. This is like the beginning of, you know, <sighs> And hopefully it's, it's the beginning of something that lasts a lot longer than some art movements have. <laughs> you don't want to have like two, three years of like, boom, boom, boom. This is incredible. Right. I think dark yeah, art we might has not existed. Even see. We may not see the end of it, obviously, but it's yeah. also like dark art's been around for a while. I mean, mm -hmm. Chet has sorted, you know, that out for a lot of us when he's like looked at this stuff and go, look, dark art goes back many, many generations where people were doing this type of work doing this kind of themed work that at the time was considered evil or you know morbid or macabre but now in this day and age people see it and they go well, actually it was painted really well <laughs> it's really good art it's like <laughs> this person actually knew their stuff they mm. trained they'd learned something they've applied themselves they put it onto canvas or they put it onto whatever it is you know, let's give them them their time in the the, the, the galleries as well as the, the the pretty paintings of flowers and the and the, mm. the landscapes. They're all good. I enjoy that stuff as well. But 
my mind will always be drawn to the the darker aspect of things just because I think that person's kind of bucking the trend, not only just just doing their own thing, but they're also kind of there's a little bit of subversion in that as well. It's like it, it must be nice to be the one person that has like the darkest painting in an art gallery. <laughs> um and I, nowadays I, we've got we've got galleries full of that stuff. And I mean, I, again, I wouldn't have never if you'd told me back when I was a young person going, well, that's what you, you could see a whole gallery full of dark artists. I'd be like, no, nah, that's not going to happen because people want that the light side to shine through as well. What was your gateway into the dark art world? It would definitely be obviously starting off with just what my dad had exposed me to really just seeing that that you know what he did as a job but then you know pop culture comic books movies definitely that was fuel to the fire that was like all right i like this sort of stuff and then seeing artists who were making a career you know like bernie wrights and people like that that was Mm. like you know richard corbin it's like these guys are painting and doing this artwork for a living they're making monsters for a living and that was just like mind blowing. Um, seeing yeah. some of the early concept art for movies that, you know, it, they were scary for younger kids, like Ghostbusters or something like that. You'd see the concept art and you'd be like, holy heck, that is terrifying. It didn't really turn out like that on the film. They kind of cutified it and made it nice. But these guys, mm-hmm. when they were originally doing the design, they wanted something really scary, they wanted to scare people. I mean, and the designs always freaked me out. I mean, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, the, the, I the kid, library, you know? the library woman mm, right. at the beginning, yeah, head, it distends and she turns into this toothy monster. It's like that to this day still holds up as a very effective mm. bit of special effects, but also yeah. terrifying. Scared the crap out of a lot of people, and yeah, so that that was like that's for me was the the, the catalyst which kind of got me on that. It was like. I'd always said, even right back then, that's what I want to do. I'd like to design monsters. I want to just draw monsters. I want to draw creepy stuff. I like Star Wars and I like watching the behind the scenes videos. But the thing that really got me was the creature workshops. So special effects was then, it was like, to me, that was the next, next extension was these people that were making brilliant sculptures with their hands. Rob Botin, obviously Chet Zar. Norman Cabrera, Rick Baker, all these guys that were amazing artists, amazing sculptors, and then it moved. It's like, wow, this is <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah, incredible. Totally. A lot of people were like, oh, it's puppet, it's rubbery. It's like, yeah, but look at how it's constructed. You know, there's an animatronic yeah, underneath. Somebody it made this thing. Yeah. You know, I like, mean, it's, it's a it's robot. Unbelievable. Yeah. This guy built a robot for a movie, but it's not just a robot. It's a tentacled monster with multiple mm-hmm. articulated parts you know it may be a certain way you know stop motion and, as well stop motion yeah, is another oh, totally. one of those things it's like mm-hmm. i'm watching stop motion going this is this does something to my brain this makes me want to see more um and it, again even to this day anything that puts a little stop motion into its movie it's just giving themselves another star as far as i'm concerned yeah. it's like oh they had stop totally. motion that's really hard to do especially to yeah. make it really look really good. And, I'm, you know, unfortunately a lot of that art, it's now incorporated into the digital stuff, but there's something about the digital stuff where I enjoy looking at that too, but it's more of that uncanny valley because it's digital. You know that someone drew it and had to sculpt something, but then it went to another group and they took mm-hmm. it and they did the similar thing in a computer program. Something about it, it just loses its... Uh, its integrity, its weight, which, yeah. yeah, it's that uncanny valley that you're like, no, it looks like it floats or they haven't got quite that that dynamic there. I mean, if they want to make Robert Downey Jr. 20 years old, they can do that now. Mm-hmm. That's great. But it's the monster stuff that I, was, I, I want to see. And I'm always a little bit, especially nowadays, the monsters always seem to be the afterthought. It's like this used to be the thing that people went to these movies for was to look at these amazingly constructed creatures. Yeah. People get, a, you know, Academy Awards for this stuff. There you go for making a, a werewolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, and nowadays it's, yeah, it's, it, it seems like that stuff, you know, the, the CG, it dominates it so much. 
that I feel like a little bit of the craft has been kind of watered down and diluted by it. But there's still people that will, you know, do practical stuff, which I think is great still. It's just um, it, it seems to be that market is getting less and less, which is a shame. Yeah. I think that those things, especially as, as you grow older, and you want other people to appreciate what got you interested in doing this type of thing. You want to be able to show them an example and go, well, look at this guy. And it's it's hard nowadays. It's hard to direct someone and go, well, look at this. Oh, no, actually, <laughs> yeah, maybe look I mean, at something from the 1980s. We direct people, exactly. We direct people back to those eras, you know. But, you know, that, if, if you are, mm. I mean, that's, I've got a friend who's he's got, you know, teenage kids and they're just like this they just don't accept it because they've grown up in an era where they didn't watch stop motion animated Christmas tales and things like that when mm-hmm. they were, you know, growing up. So they just, yeah, they, 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 to them, their eyes straight away go that there's something weird and janky about that. So it doesn't, doesn't resonate mm-hmm. as much as it does with the, the older people. But I mean, I th- still think that the, a lot of that stuff is, it gets it gets my juices flowing. I love to say that someone created something that made it with their hands, made a little skeleton, made the blinking eyelids, mm-hmm. uh, lit it in a particular way to make it look really, really good. Um, and that I'll always say, like that's why you get into this thing is it's not because they made a monster; it's because they made it all by their themselves. Pretty much, they sculpted this. Mm-hmm. Or the little skin textures, you know, when you get close up to it, you know, someone made the eyeball. So, you yeah. know, someone made the tongue that flicks around. It's the, the, the amount of skill and the amount of dedication to that craft uh, yeah, is, is incredible. And those people also need to be higher up on the credits. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think if you're, doing, if you're like a totally special agree. effects driven movie, uh, they mm-hmm. should be up there in the beginning. They used to be, but now it's like you got to wait till, you know, the, ca- the, the, ca- the caterers get a little bit of a, a credit and then it's special effects people mm-hmm. and the concept artists and all the people that did the majority of the work to make it look the way it did. So, so you know, people like us, like I grew up on horror films, also like ate up any behind the scenes. I, I watched Movie Magic, that show Movie Magic, which Chet was apparently on at some point. I loved all of that as well. I grew up on Godzilla movies and Universal Monsters. And so I have like this deep love for horror. Also, my tastes have changed over the years. And it's like, I know, and you know that there's this crossover with horror. And I, you know, it's like, if dark art was an umbrella, horror would be under that umbrella, right? And I feel like, dark art as a whole has a lot to owe the horror genre for at least this part of its existence, you know? So, so I'm just curious if you've met how many other people that you've spoken to in the dark art world that might not have had the same kind of experience that you're, you and I have, you know, you're a little bit older than I am. So you grew up with maybe some slightly different movies, but probably similar, you know, similar tastes and everything, but there are dark artists that I've, I've spoken to that maybe didn't even necessarily love those kinds of movies when they were growing up, but they still have this other, this, like this morbid fascination or whatever you want to call it. Um, And I'm just curious if you've spoken to any other people who, like, I'm always curious as to why people do things and, it's interesting to me when I meet people who don't have a similar, you know, the exact same kind of upbringing, you know, with like horror movies and things like that. You know, I mean, I feel like there's some dark artists that I've met that don't even necessarily love horror, you know? And um, so it's interesting. Well, it's, again, it, dark, darkness can come from many different things. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I think if there's something, like and maybe I was lucky in that my parents were, you know, growing up. You know, I'm I'm 46 now, so I've been around for a little while, so I can remember when there were VHS video stores. And it doesn't seem to be that many of them. I do anymore. too, actually. I'm but, still know, I'm but, eight years behind you. But yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, you know, it wasn't it wasn't you know we had um, you know you'd have the local video stores. So, I mean, if if you had parents that were nice enough to allow you to go and get you know, uh, $10 worth of weekly videos unsupervised 
then yeah. you pretty much were going to clear through that video shop. You're going to work your way from the A's to the Z's and eventually you're going to get to the horror movies. And I think that's, again, if, if you grew up with that type of background where people were like, they're just movies, enjoy them for what they are. I mean, some people who don't grow up with that stuff, it could be that it's just not their, their, their cup of tea. They don't really enjoy watching these things and that's fine. But then they may see it in something else and we're like, but I'm a big fan of anime. I say, well, there's a lot of horror in anime. Oh, there's, yeah. there's ridiculous stuff in anime. <laughs> you can do stuff in that. Sometimes that you yeah, wouldn't want to watch in a live horrific. action movie, even right, more so. Exactly. So, I mean, it, mm. it, it all comes from, I think everyone can, I think they, they can relate to each other as far as having some sort of relationship to darkness, to horror, because everyone's been scared. Everyone's, you know, had a nightmare or most people have had nightmares or had some sort of intense dream. So, I mean, it, it is kind of part of our, our physiology is to have those responses to things. If you don't like it, it doesn't mean you're not necessarily, you know, you can't be part of the dark art crew. You're not part of our cool club. It's, it's, it, it just it adds a different nuance to where that artwork comes from. It makes it a bit, a bit right. more, I guess, fascinating. But I think the last thing you want, I mean, I do a lot of horror stuff, but that's because that's what I enjoy doing and I feel like I'm good at it. I, I don't necessarily want to be in a zombie apocalypse mode. I don't <laughs> want to live that reality of it. It would be cool to be on yeah. a movie set and do that, but I don't want that to be the actual reality. I think that's the part where people, if they watch a horror movie, especially nowadays, some of this horror movie stuff, which is really deeply rooted in a sort of reality, like this could happen. You know, we're dealing with serial murders and stuff like that. I get that. You don't like those movies. You don't like the blood and gore. Fine. You don't have to watch it. Um, I, I grew up in a time where it was mostly monster movies. You know, you did have yeah. those serial serial killers, but it was Jason. It was mm-hmm. Freddy. It wasn't. It was these caricatures. It was, it was monsters. Like it wasn't supernatural. Yeah. yeah, and they had, like, you know, the fantastical aspects to it. I mean, Freddy was living mm-hmm. in a dream world, you know, and he could take on all these different guises and people would be turned into cockroaches and things like that. So <laughs> that's the stuff that I'm more into it as far as horror movies and that's the thing that's going to um, add to what I do as far as my artwork because that's what informs the narrative of the artwork. If someone doesn't have that, if they're just like, oh, look, you know, maybe they listen to some dark music when they were a teenager, you know, when they were a bit depressed or something and they listen to Bauhaus or something like that. <laughs> and that inspires the darkness inside them to do that artwork. It all comes from different places. I don't think there's yeah. any one source. So I think if it, it, is, it is a banner because there's room for everyone. I think that's the best thing we can say for it is that, you know, you might see a lot of these people who just do the horror stuff, but then there's other people who the horror or, or the, the darkness of, in their artwork or whatever, you know, their sculpture or their music, it, it's, it's coming from a different place, so it's a different representation of that. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be, oh, look, this thing's got its eyeballs hanging out and it's got you mm-hmm. know, worms crawling out of the hole. It doesn't have to be that to be horror. You can yeah. do something you know it can just it'd be a feeling just by looking at something you know look at an emaciated person painted it's like you can have a feeling of horror from that because you don't want to feel that way so it can you can get some sort of emotion from it so anyone who has like trauma as well in their life i think they end up being drawn to that type of stuff as well because again it's something that they they use as a tool to deal with. I mean, I know when I was younger, zombies did scare me. I watched some movies and I had bad nightmares. I still occasionally have really vivid zombie nightmares, but I don't hate them. I, I realized that, you know, I, at first it was like, I hate this. I don't like this. So, you know, I wish I, I didn't have them, but it, it informed the work and it became kind of a cathartic thing by being able to be able to put some of these ones on paper or whatever, get them out of my head. I was able to move on from that. So it seems right. weird, you know, to deal with something that scares you, you draw more of them. But for me, it worked. For me, it was kind of an outlet. 
So it was like yeah. a steam release in, in a way, you know, there was a build up there, whether it be the imagination just got running wild. I needed to just draw some monsters and it was a release. Other artists that I have spoken to, I think Chet said something similar to that. It's, it's just a release for him. It's something he does because if he didn't do it, then they'd just be building up and building up and he, He'd probably be a bit of an asshole to people and be snapping and getting re- <laughs> getting annoyed with people. You know, it's I think if you're that type right. of person and you absorb that stuff, you do need a release. As I was going mm. back to the way we sponge things, you need to get a point where you go, all right, I've got to let it out. And you know, change it up. Sometimes you might be like, I've I've experienced a lot of uh, you know, impressionistic art. Now I have to do something impressionistic in order to help me release that valve. You know, mm. uh, I've got a lot of dark stuff going on in my head. I've got to release something, make it dark. That's my release. Uh, wherever it comes from, though, I don't think it, that shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't be a criteria that people, are, you know, adhere to if, like, if you don't do that or you don't have tattoos or you don't have, right. you know, it's, well, it, that doesn't really, it shouldn't matter. This episode is sponsored by... Diane Hoffman creates dimensional worlds of allegory with her collage and assemblage works constructed from salvaged and repurposed found objects. She uses organic materials from nature combined with industrial and figurative remnants to carefully depict the balance between light and dark by presenting the sincerity found in their unified stories. To find Diane's work and her current exhibitions, check out her website at dianehoffman.net. That's D-I-A-N-N-E-H-O-F-F-M-A-N. And be sure to follow Diane on Instagram, Facebook, and of course, join her Patreon, all found at Diane Hoffman Art. Yeah, I think what I hear a lot in the dark art community is like a caveat before somebody like posts a piece of artwork they're like i i know this isn't very dark but dot 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 and so i think uh, because you know it's labeled under this idea of darkness that people have this preconceived notion of what it's supposed to look like but i i really think that the you know the genre itself of dark art and horror and things like that like Specifically, dark art is is really, I think, about the feeling more than anything. It almost doesn't fucking matter what it looks like, you know? So I, I think a lot of people, they get hung up on that idea of specifically exactly like your reaction when you see an image, if it's not, quote, dark enough, mm. uh, they're like, well, this can't be dark art, you know? But again, there's there's artists who do bright, colorful paintings um, and they're still doing dark art. So uh, and then sometimes I'll do a portrait that there isn't a skull, there isn't blood. There's no uh, very obvious things in it that are horror related or anything like that. But there's like maybe a sadness or something. And that to me still feels like dark art. But to somebody else, it just looks like a sad person. You know, so it, it's interesting to me that that people get really hung up on that. And I've gotten hung up on that, too. And I kind of like grapple with that idea of like, well, is it can I still have my dark art member card, you know, by posting this picture of an animal or something like that? You know what? Do, and am I just trying to impose a look and aesthetic to something that technically doesn't need that look or aesthetic? To, to be a successful piece of artwork and just so I can stay within the dark art realm, you know? I, I, yeah, I think, I mean, if, if, if you want to evolve as an artist and you are always constantly evolving and, you know, it could be that the dark art as, as a movement for you only exists for a short period of time in your work. You may find that you outgrow that or you want to transcend to something else which is fine i mean some of the greatest artists in the world dabbled and took a little bit of everything to get where they wanted to be so i think you know a lot of people i went and saw a surrealist exhibition here a few years ago and i remember people like just responding in horror to these salvador dali pieces i'm like hold up a tick this is surrealism it's not this is supposed to be kind of dreamy and a bit fantastic. And they were, they were amazing pieces, but some people's responses were, 
I think because they were, it looked a bit like um, like a skeleton or something was on there, and it's like, no, this is surrealism. This is dreamscape stuff. This isn't yeah. necessarily horror. You know, if you yeah. want the horror, we'll, we'll, you know, let's have an HR Geiger exhibition mm-hmm. next month, and you can see real horror up there. Yeah. You know, this is. <laughs> You know, this is like that's real dark. I mean, you you can run that whole spectrum of that. But I think, yeah, a- anyone who wants, I mean, I, I do nice things. I don't always have to draw dark things. I can draw all types of things. It's just I choose to do and focus on those things, which I feel as if I've got the most information in my head and that I feel good at and I feel comfortable doing that and wanting to get better at doing it. I think anyone who says, oh, you know, I'm just strictly a dark artist is maybe limiting themselves. If, if they are formulating their style or they are just doing it because they want people to go, wow, that's really horrific. And it's like, but does it have any context? Is there any sort of residual mm. meaning to this? What does it mean to you? Or are you just going through the motions? Because if you're going through the motions, you know, you, you, you could essentially just be like a portrait, portrait painter down at the local market. Yeah, <laughs> selling you know fifty dollar Jimi Hendrix paintings. You know, like, <laughs> what are you doing this for? Like, that's the, that. I think that's where people right. have got to realize as well. Is is what are maybe, you doing this for? Yeah, like look into it a little bit more. So, look, am I doing yeah. this because I like it, or am I doing it because um, it looks like it's an easy thing to do to get people to like my posts? which is crazy, you know, it doesn't make any sense. The social media focus on this stuff is the thing that I worry the most about is that, you know, that's when you get people stealing artwork and you got people appropriating your work and not tagging you into stuff. And it's like, I work really fucking hard on this, dude. (laughs) I've spent my whole life learning about colour and form and anatomy and doing all this stuff and just for you to turn around and plaster it all over something without permission. It shows a real disregard for my craft and my time. So I think people, yeah, getting into that social media aspect of it and and doing it for the wrong reasons, that's just going to cause you more problems in the long run. If you start formulating, like, I've got to post every week, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, then that that to me is an ass-backwards way of getting better. You're not going right. to be producing your best work. You're pretty much you know, laying the tracks down while the, <laughs> the train's coming down behind you. And it's like eventually that train's just going to crush you and you're not going to get the response you wanted. Social media, is, is, is it's fickle. It's a fickle media. I think if people just post and they're honest to themselves, they post stuff that they like and they make a page which is stuff that they like, that's a hell of a lot better. And, you know, if you've got 10 posts, fine. You've got 10 posts. Mm-hmm. Does, you don't have to have 1,500 posts and 35,000 followers to feel good yeah. about what you're doing. And a lot of that stuff is, is liars too. It's, you know, there's bots. <laughs> there's stuff that isn't a human. That's, it's yeah. just it's part of, you're part of an algorithm. And I think if, if people, that's why I like the Dark Art Society Facebook page is because a lot of people are like, I'm just posting this because I've just finished it and I'm proud of it and I want right. people to look at it. And it, they get two likes totally and they like get a comment. They're genuine. stoked. Yeah. Yeah, they're totally. stoked. They're like, wow, I'm so glad someone saw it. It's not yeah. just me painting in my back shed and no one ever sees the work. They do have a platform yeah. to expose their work to. And I think, yeah, anyone who does that and they, they come up from a, you know, a point of view where this has some sort of context. If it is dark, it's dark. If they don't see it dark, someone might else see it as dark or put that into some sort of context with it. Fine, do it. You know, just keep yeah. doing what you're doing. There's so much of a variety of stuff on that, you know, in the whole banner of dark art. There's people that sculpt, you know, 3D sculpt. There's people that paint. There's people that do all types of crazy stuff with puppets and, and costumes and, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, photography. It, it's kind of that banner, as I said, there's enough room for everyone mm-hmm. and there's no, there's no criteria. We're not taking down, you know, how many Freddie movies, have you seen? What did you score them? You know, yeah. how many metal albums do you own? We're not taking that sort of information right. down. It's, I think, and if you did that, not only would it be a logistical nightmare, you're probably not going to let the sort of people in that you thought were going to actually be the ones to do the most work. 
Yeah. You know, you, you're pretty much just then you're limiting yourself to the amount of people that can be part of that, that community. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Agreed. I think a- anyone can come in and, and enjoy, you know, they may just want to look at some dark art for a bit because it, they, they're in a mood themselves and it speaks yeah. to them. They don't have to stay there. They don't have to live there. It's like visiting a new, an amusement park or, you know, going on a scary ride. People yeah. get a little bit of a thrill from it. They don't have to live there. They don't have to exist yeah. in that. The artists can. <laughs> the <laughs> artists can live that as they see fit. But, yeah. Well, it, thank you so much for, for sharing uh, your thoughts on that. I would love to chat with you about your work. Okay. Let's talk about your work. I mean, your, your work is awesome. And I, you know what I really just want to chat with you specifically about is, you know, designing. This is something that I, what I think about is that, you know, I shoot photo reference and I have a certain eye for things, but as far as the design coming straight from my brain onto paper or a canvas or a panel or whatever, it's hard for me to formulate that, I think, overall. And so when I look at like your work, let's say a zombie face, you know, uh, zombies have been done so many times. And I feel like at a certain point, I would be doing the same 20 different looking kind of zombies over and over again. And I would, I would probably go crazy. So how do you keep it fresh for yourself when you're doing things like zombies, you know, for comic books and if you want to talk about any of your history and some of, some of these comics, the uh, the Land of the Dead comics with George A. Romero, I mean yep. that stuff is impressive and wonderful. And oh, I want to tell you too, I did meet uh, George before he passed away. And oh, you lucky bugger! At a time, <laughs> this was at a time that I was doing horror photography, yep. and I I had this zombie photograph that I took I did all the makeup and it was a zombie eating his own intestine and um I gave him a a copy of that and I'm sure he threw it on the pile of zombie shit that his fans have given him maybe I love the fact that I was able to give that to him but yeah so anyway so just in general design zombies your history and things like that if you can chat about that yeah as far as the design keeping it fresh i mean it's again sometimes it's it's about when i did zombies feast for idw that the idea was to do five covers that were all interlocking that would make a giant poster at the end so when you bought all five comics you you could lay them all out and it would be a panoramic of like 70 Uh, 80 zombies yeah the problem is with that is that you need to start then thinking about personality zombies which romero did in his movies you'd see Mm -hmm. ones like oh there's a dude wearing a clown costume or you know this dude's wearing like you know a particular t-shirt or something and they kind of stand out the hero zombies Mm -hmm. um nicotero does that quite a lot on the walking dead oh yeah and and again prior to the walking dead coming out there wasn't a lot of people doing it. i mean zombies existed in the zeitgeist and and but the people weren't really doing it the way that i saw it in my head which was you know they were always blue skinned they had a little bit of ridge work on the eyebrows and the cheeks or they had you know maybe bloody mouth or something and i was like i don't think zombies would look like that i think zombies would look a little bit more messed up especially if you take the idea that they're eating human flesh What's that? What's that going to do to a rotting mouth? Like if you're eating bone and sinew, but it's not cooked, it's just you're just tearing away at it pretty much. So I started drawing all of these zombies with broken teeth and like Mm. almost like someone had, you know, knocked out all their teeth and then thinking, oh, how did this person die? Did they get bonked on the head or did they, are they half their body is burnt or something? So a lot of that for the cover. And then eventually it was looking at friends and basically turning them into zombies that helps (laughs) but i mean sometimes i'll even just do a zombie and it looks like someone like inadvertently i've just done that i've I've got some sort of bone structure in mind sometimes it's just trying to work out a certain type of musculature in the face or in the body if i want to if i've got to draw something with a particular neck 
I'll draw a zombie that's got, an, you know, he's leaning in to show his neck. It's a really, it's, it's a fun way and an easier way of learning anatomy than just doing constant studies all over the place. It's yeah. like, to, to me, you're getting something out of it, but also you're getting a piece of artwork at the end that people go, that's pretty cool. Your zombie's pretty messed up. And it's like, well, yeah, that's how they would be. Now, you know, because of The Walking Dead, we have seen, I mean, I swear some of those zombies may be inspired by some of the work that I did back in 2005. I'm sure those yeah. guys have got a reams of, of zombie library sitting in their studio somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a couple. I'm like, that kind of looks like a zombie that I did from that cover. <laughs> Bastards. I mean, then, you, you know, they, 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 they've kind of done homages to a lot of people. So, yeah. But it, so th- my design standpoint comes from what would it look like in reality and then try to manipulate in a way that it, it, it's, it's got a realism to it, but it's also a bit like Lovecraft. It's something that you couldn't describe to someone why it was otherworldly. It was like, I don't really get that bit. I don't understand that bit. That always fascinated me. That was always the more horrific side of things was something that was so scary and something so undescribable, but that you'd seen and that you couldn't explain to someone else because you were that petrified. I think that's a really nice, interesting thing for an artist who wants to design things. They need to have that in their head. Look at other artists as well who do that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of concept artists out there that do crazy designs that never see the light of day. Carlos Juante, who does a lot of the work for Alien, Prometheus and stuff. Um, mm. And he does these amazing drawings. He did all this stuff for um, the, the new It movie. And he's done some amazing designs. But a lot of that stuff just either they can't make it or it just goes by the wayside. And that's, mm. I look at that sort of stuff and think that's really interesting. Yeah. Creative Conquest. Le Bohemian Muse says, we have been working on our murals for Patreon over the past week. Uh, I've been seeing this on social media. I can't be more proud of you guys. Congratulations on that. I see that you're at Patreon headquarters and doing some art. Ah, I'm so jealous. If you guys remember, there is an episode with Le Bohemian Muse on this podcast. Go back and check it out. Brittany Ray Pappas Wiltsey says, I'm finally back to painting, admittedly paranoid because I started painting same time last year and we wound up in the hospital for six months with our youngest and working on a big piece and a bunch of little pieces in between. Uh, Brittany, I know that you've been going through some difficult things. Um, I just want to let you know that uh, you're a badass and you are getting through it and you're making art in the process too. So congratulations on getting back to it and i hope everything is good on your end uh michelle bond says got invited to a digital art show in milan italy and a coffee book publication also finished this painting psyche hemispheres take me everywhere but lead me nowhere watercolor ink and pencil on watercolor paper congratulations michelle those are some big wins um, if you guys want to share your creative conquest with us, you can find us on the Drawing From Experience podcast um, creative community on Facebook, and you can start sharing with us today. But yeah, I think that was what I was meaning. Like, you know, as far as a design standpoint, yeah, I like to see where the progression was, where these people started with the nugget of an idea, uh, and also different artists bouncing off each other to get to make that idea into something that's. Uh, you know, what ultimately you see as the final, whatever it is, the creature of the design. I, I enjoy that design aspect a lot more than seeing the final result in many ways. So it's from a standpoint of creating and doing the design, I like working out a bit of a problem solver as far as that's concerned. Mm. And yeah, looking at reality, looking at the way things are put together, once you understand that, I think then you can manipulate things to make it look a little bit stranger, you know, play with the dimensions, play with the shape of muscles and ligatures and skin tones and all that type of thing. I mean, it sounds easy, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of experience to, to be able to sit down and just pull that stuff out of your brain. And some people can do it, other people... You know, I've seen a lot of these artists, the concept artists, you know, they, they, they tend to just have a kind of very stylized way to do it. 
and that's just what they do. That's just bang, 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 bang. Well, there's other people mm. that when they design something, it is so uniquely their design. Yeah. You can tell the way that they've designed it. They've got, but they've also they've played with their, the shapes and the forms to make it something you've never seen before. I mean, these are the types of movies I'll prefer to get made, but they tend to then boil these ideas down and make them into a bit more functional, whether or not it's a CG character or a modelled character or a puppet or something like that. Um, and, you know, wow. I prefer that design aesthetic to it as well. I mean, I, I think designing is heaps of fun. It's a lot more enjoyable than having to sit down and worry about the final piece. I like, you know, working my way through the, the sketches. Yeah. See, that's, I think that's my hang up is uh, sometimes, I don't know. Cause I, I find, I'm assuming that you grew up doodling a lot, sketching a lot. Yeah. Having a sketchbook. I, you know, I did, but I was never one of those people that like, I had a sketchbook that I was constantly sketching in every single day. There was a period of time that I was, but I wasn't naturally, I really had to push really hard to draw every day. And um, so I think at a certain point, I should have gotten some other, like I should have gotten more educated in that department, but I just didn't because I was always... I was always looking for the final result, which is kind of how I do things now. Like I'm, but you I'm took a lot of photo. You take result. a lot of photographs mm -hmm. as well, though. So I mean, in yeah. a way, a lot of like a lot of photographs are sort of like sketching because yeah. you're looking at composition. Well, that's how I view you're looking it. at form. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So mm -hmm. You still did that type of thing. I mean, different yeah. from someone who's got a sketchbook and they're constantly drawing ideas or drawing out. Mm -hmm. I wonder how this would look, a weird joint or something like that, you know? like Yeah. Most of the time I think that the, the best designs are the ones, are the people that have an eye for that detail. So they're the mm -hmm. ones that are really you're going to want to look at. You're going to go, wow, that guy understands you know, how things are put together as opposed to someone right. who was just told to draw a, you know, yeah, some sort of generic monster and they just kind of, mm. they, they, they may have even looked at someone else's work and gone, well, they've kind of yeah. already done the hard work for me. I'll just copy mm. that, add a few right. flourishes, bam, you're done. Or I'll manipulate something digitally, just pull it and drag it and stuff. Um, the ones, yeah, I think any of these times that people forget that you've got to have a good, basis you've got to have a good grounding for what you're doing so that you know anything that you do whether or not it's it's doing comic books or doing concept art or painting dark whatever learning the basis basics are, are gonna be the best thing for you so yeah try and make it fun that's why i do what i do is i enjoy drawing anatomy but i just don't want to draw like an anatomy book I would rather yeah. have them in some sort of context. <laughs> right. And if I right. can draw monsters, I mean, that's the kind of the coolest thing is you draw a monster and you've got a knowledge of anatomy. Suddenly that monster has a little bit more reality and realism to it. And I think that's what people get. They're like, wow, you know, I, I get people, oh, I saw my dad in that zombie you did. Like it's kind of got my mm. dad's face and it's like, oh, well, that wasn't intentional, but um, mm. it's good. It's a nice visceral reaction to what you've done. And it can go either way. Sometimes people are like, I just don't like what you draw <laughs> to, to the extreme where people are like, you're evil, you should probably right. get God in your life or something. And it's like, uh, no, nah. I mean, I appreciate the people's concern, but in a way it's, I mean, it's nice. It's flattering to have any response. But, uh, yeah, to, to have people uh, act adversely to it, or act in a way that they, uh, they, they, they paint you out to be a, a an evil person or a dark person. It's right. like, you don't, you don't really get it. You don't really understand it. It's not that I want to do this stuff. I mean, maybe if, if other serial killers did more art, they weren't, they wouldn't be serial killers. They'd be world renowned dark artists. <laughs> you never know. I mean, <laughs> everyone's got these right. kind of, you know, they've got the, 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 the strange devices and where they draw their inspirations from. I think, yeah, people should just yeah, embrace that. But, don't don't act on it. <laughs> yeah. Don't act on the dark impulses. Yeah, put it into something like artwork or sculpting or something like that. It'll be a lot better for everyone. Um, so when you were when you were being interviewed on on Chess Podcast, you had been working on a project with a friend. It was like um, 
it was a graphic novel. Oh yeah, we're uh, still working I, on that. We're still work. That's okay. still uh, that's still happening. It, it's the likelihood that a Kickstarter will be done for the first issue of that is is getting more and that's that's getting close to reality. Mm. We still need to talk about like our tier goals and rewards. We've got some specific mm-hmm. ideas for that. Obviously, like you know, there would be you know your usual PDF downloads, that type of thing, as well as you know printed copies of the the first issue, with a view to if the first issue does well, then there'll be another two issues which will make up the first graphic novel. Um, cool. And then if if you know print that as three singularly, and then hopefully someone some publishing house will be interested in wanting to compile it all with the addition of some prologues and epilogues either end of it, which are also storyboarded and there's about 150 uh, storyboarded pages for this book wow plus reams i mean it we've been working on it for for quite a long time but mm-hmm. you know life gets in the way you know people have jobs um yeah it, it went and, through, and what through is the several iterate the the name of the comic book uh, tentatively at the moment is gun rando and it's it's again it's a an apocalyptic spaghetti western of sorts mm-hmm. Without spoiling it too much, it's 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 pretty violent. It's pretty hedonistic in its intent, but it's got a lot of uh, like it's 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 fun. It's a, it's a bit Mad Max universe. There's a lot of uh, the writing got really good. I think that was the thing that made us stop and go. Well, the writing's getting really good. Let's let's keep that going. Let's actually inject that more into it. At first, it was just kind of like a silly concept where we could just draw whatever we wanted to oh wow there's actually some meaning behind a lot of this stuff stuff started yes little synchronicities just started happening that were responding and being echoed in the book it was like oh wow crazy okay Mm. plus in the world how things started going in the world started also being kind of reflected in parts of the story of the book so we're like okay well let's let's really make it good let's make the story really good and then the artwork will hopefully match that but yeah, with a view to do a Kickstarter sometime soon, and you know, we'll work out some some cool rewards for everyone. Um, you know, hopefully some maybe some posters, potentially some three D models. So if people have got three D printers, maybe they can three D print their own model. Um, mm. Obviously, out on a higher tier, we could possibly get models made for people. But you know, until we work that out, cost wise, <laughs> we, we won't get, have a guarantee on that just yet. But it would be nice to have. Yeah. Get a, get a comic book, get a little figure of the main character or a few yeah. other actual characters well, from the book. doable with some of the dark art community. There's some amazing 3D modelers in there and 3D printers. So, Well, that's, yeah. I've been learning how to do the 3D modeling myself. Oh, so, cool. Okay. Um, that's something else that has taken time away from the book is, is just learning a brand new mode yeah. of, of a new way of creating stuff, which I hadn't done before. So yeah, there's that, and then there was you know we've I'm still doing comic book covers. There's a few comic books that are coming out soon. Hopefully, I'll be able to tell people a few other projects that I can't discuss because I've signed an NDA, which is kind of interesting. Some good stuff coming up in the background, you know, concept work stuff. So um, cool. You know, I've been busier now than I have been in the last you know since I quit my job in the warehouse. Um, I think when I spoke to Chet, I'd just done that. Um, mm. And since then, it just kind of everything has just gotten better and better and better. Work is getting more consistent, which is nice. I make a little bit of money here and there, but not enough to, you know, retire to the Bahamas yet. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think anyone also who thinks that they're going to get into this type of line of work and, you know, get a job for, you know, Lucasfilm within a couple of years, yeah, that, it doesn't happen, unfortunately unless yeah. you're exceptionally talented and you're in the right place at the right time. Most people that do the work just keep working at it and do a lot of designing, a lot of drawings a lot of the time that don't ever see the light of day. But they do it because they love it and they do it because they enjoy doing the, the design. As I said before, is the thing that I enjoy the most out of it is that design process, taking something from a nugget of an idea or some sort of verbal direction and then seeing it to its end and design, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, everyone said, why would you want to do that? And it's like, cause that's, that's what I enjoy. That's what I'm actually quite good at. I think. Um, yeah. And it's taken, it's taken me a while to be able to say that. 
for a while it was kind of like the the, the dirty shame. <laughs> I draw <laughs> monsters all the time. It's like, no, it's, I mean, the dark art society has really given that a bit more of a, a place. And, you know, I can direct people there and go, see, I'm not alone. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of us. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, Man, that's it, great. It, it helps. Thank you. Yeah, I totally agree. Where can people find you online, Chris? I'm on Instagram and on Facebook at the moment, uh, both under Savage Zombie Art. Um, most of those places are the ones that I'll be, you know, that, that get the most updates, get the most stuff that I, you know, whatever I'm working on at the time. Um, obviously, the, some of the stuff I can't post because of the NDA. So if right. people are patient, hopefully if something sees, you know, I get the okay, they'll be able to see some of that stuff, hopefully in the not too distant future. But um Keep your eyes open for, like I said, a, a Kickstarter for the comic book, uh, as well as comic books for Image. I think it's Two Moons with John Arcudi. I've got a variant cover coming up with him. A couple other things that, uh, you know, sculpting some 3D models for that, yet again, I can't talk about just yet until they turn up. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that's more just for, you know, whoever's, you know, working on it in the background. They would prefer that I don't discuss it with people yet, which is fine. People like to have secrets. The internet, uh, people can steal your stuff pretty quick, quickly and easily yeah. and it can get leaked without, uh, you know, you wanting it to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if we, we're trying very hard to keep it under the down low. But hopefully cool. soon, hopefully soon we can have some more stuff to, to show people. But otherwise, yeah, check out the Instagram Check out the Facebook and, um, yeah, like some stuff. Hope you enjoy it. Hopefully it doesn't give you any nightmares. If it does. Or maybe hopefully it does. Well, if it does, then maybe (laughs) use that and go draw from it because, you know, that's that's the thing. We need more people doing that. I think people would be, if they had that, as I said, that that release for a lot of this stuff, they would probably be uh, happier mentally. Uh, if you had, if they had somewhere they could actually uh, focus some of this energy, I think it's it's beneficial. I mean, a lot of people would, you know, benefit wholeheartedly from being able to get rid of some of that dark stuff, get it out on paper, or get it out some way. I think it's important. Thank you. I agree. If you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast, you can stream and download on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or my website, drawingfromexperience.com. You can join the Drawing From Experience creative community on Facebook. Uh, You can find us on Instagram or Patreon. Um, On Instagram, it's at DFE Podcast. And on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash drawingfromexperience. You can find me on my personal Patreon at patreon.com slash Shane Isaacowski or my website, shaneisaacowski.com. Or find me on Instagram at Shane Isaacowski Artist or Facebook at Shane Isaacowski Artist. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Shane. A, a long time coming. And um, I really appreciate you in the dark art world and in the art world in general. And uh, thank you for all of your thoughts and advice and all of your fucking awesome artwork. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time yeah. to, to hang out and listen to me ramble. Of course. Thank you.